Good afternoon. Let's pray. May I speak in the name of the risen Lord Jesus. Amen. What a joy to be part of this celebration today, to see Sarah becoming yet more established as the team ministry here in Top Church and across Dudley evolves, and she is licensed as vicar in the Dudley team with special responsibility for St. Thomas and St. Luke, and St. Luke, also known as Top Church. It all feels so natural and so right and has a sense of God's timing about it as so many key moments in the life of this church have had. I often reflect that when I'm old and grey, or older and greyer than I am now, and I look back on my time as Archdeacon of Dudley, the transformation of this church will be right up there as one of the most significant journeys I will have had the privilege of being involved in. I think back to early meetings with the faithful few who remained worshipping here on Sunday mornings in a huge drafty church building with so much potential, but so much that needed doing. I am immensely thankful that those who were here then had the courage to explore the scarily big vision, which, which was the emerging of starting a resourcing church when none of us really knew what a resourcing church even was. Those congregation members graciously handed on this well-known and much-loved centre of worship as an act of faith, knowing they could no longer sustain it. Thanks to their willingness and sacrifice of much that was familiar, we are here today in a thriving and growing church that's become a beacon of hope in the community enabling the people of Dudley to experience the life in all its fullness that Jesus offers. The team has come together in fits and starts. The treasure that is James again appeared in God's timing just at that perfect moment to take on overall leadership. And as he and Esther have gathered others around them, both lay and ordained, training curates and others wanting to be part of the adventure, we've seen God do something quite beautiful. And the life that is here is now rippling out to other churches across this town. More and more people are being impacted, which is a joy to see. It's also been a privilege for me to be part of Sarah's journey, as that path has merged with the path of this church and community. I remember well when Roger Morris, at his leaving service when he moved on from being Archdeacon of Worcester to be Bishop of Colchester, asked me as we gathered with others over the post-service buffet if I would consider being a mentor to someone he'd got to know. Sarah, he thought, might just have the potential to be a leader in God's church and might benefit from talking to someone a bit further on in their leadership journey. So over cups of tea in my garden, we began to talk and things began to click into place. And now here we are. Sarah's leadership development was taken on by others along the way as she explored a calling to ordination, went to theological college, became curate here and is now to be your team vicar. As part of this service, Sarah asked if we could read the passage from Luke's gospel about the road to Emmaus 
and reflect on it as it's been special to her in that journey. It's a great story in its profound simplicity and its focus on walking, talking, gathering and eating. Walking, talking, gathering and eating are the stuff of everyday life, yet provide moments pregnant with potential if we're ready to see, ready to let our hearts be stirred. Holy moments can happen when we walk, talk, gather or eat together. Two disciples were walking seven miles from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus, trudging back home after an eventful weekend. They were doing what people need to do when trying to make sense of things, talking it all through, processing, helping each other understand, reliving key moments, asking endless unanswerable questions. And then Jesus joined them. He walked and talked with them. He asked a couple of open questions, listened to their accounts, including all their feelings and their emotions, and then presented a different version of events to them, one that helped them to see from an enlightened perspective where God was at work in it all. Walking and talking is such a good way to grow as disciples, and I hope it will feature very much in Sarah's ministry here. Apart from it being healthy and good for the body as well as for the soul, there's a different dynamic when we walk and talk rather than simply sit and talk. We're side by side, journeying and discerning together, so there is often more a sense of sharing in an equal partnership than in a face-to-face conversation which sometimes involves power dynamics and hierarchical undertones. We can dip in and out of conversation, pausing to reflect while observing things around us. Processing is somehow more profound. And apparently our brains even work differently when we're moving. I remember having lots of work walks back in the lockdown era when that was the only way we could connect with people. I've got out of the habit a bit, but I think I should reinstate it and encourage you to do so too. When the Emmaus too were walking and talking, the risen Lord Jesus joined them and walked and talked with them. If we're open to inviting him, he can do the same through the Holy Spirit as we walk and talk today. I've certainly had moments in conversation with someone on a walk or on a run, as long as it's not not up a steep hill when I have no breath to speak. I've had those moments when I've become acutely aware of God's presence with us. Those holy moments of encounter which can be life-changing as we listen to God as well as listening to each other. I sense that God longs to join in the conversation far more often than we realize. Let's commit to listening out for the one who comes near and walks with us. The Emmaus disciples practiced hospitality, which is, I, I know is one of the values of Top Church and I'm sure will feature in Sarah's ongoing ministry here. 
They'd all walked a fair distance and the day was drawing to a close. It felt natural to invite this stranger in to eat with them. It was as they broke bread together that their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus who had walked and talked with them. There is both simplicity and symbolism at play here. Jesus had eaten with his followers so many times these past three years. That's when relationships had grown, when teaching and inputs had happened. We read about so many significant moments happening as Jesus gathered with others to eat. It's something we do regularly. Let's do it more together. Let's share with those who don't have enough on their plates. Let's linger and learn over food. I'm sure many more churches could be growing both in numbers and depth of discipleship if more eating was happening as people gather. It builds community. It's one of the main reasons why the Alpha Course has been so successful in so many contexts. Not the talks, good though they usually are, as much as the follow-up conversations around the food table. It's simple, but we seem to have lost the habit of eating together in many of our churches. I'm hoping that many of the new worshipping communities we're encouraging people across the Diocese of Worcester to start will be built around food, cafe church, pizza church, whatever we call it, let's do more gathering to eat together. There's also something deeply symbolic about the moment Jesus broke and blessed the bread and gave it to them. They'd seen him do the same things a few days before as they gathered to celebrate Passover in a borrowed upper room. Then he spoke unnervingly about his death and breaking bread to remember him. Then they didn't really understand. Now... It's beginning to make sense. Then it was the day before the unthinkable happened. Now they've watched him die and heard stories that he was alive. And they've just walked and talked with a stranger who explained how all this could be. Now, in this moment, they know Jesus is alive. And he vanishes as suddenly as he appeared. This is why breaking bread together is something woven into our worshipping life as the Christian church in the symbolic ritual of Holy Communion. This sacramental act, simple yet profound, gives us opportunity to gather and remember as Jesus invited us to. It's a different way to break bread from the simplicity of eating together and enables us to connect with God in a different way, in a shared act of worship. I pray as we gather for Eucharist thanksgiving in the coming weeks that we will allow space for our hearts to burn, that our spiritual eyes can be opened. I pray for Sarah in her priestly ministry amongst you, that the privilege of inviting you to the Lord's table will fill her with wonder afresh building on the relationships forged by walking and talking with you, discipling you around lunch and supper tables, and bringing an extra dimension to your growth together as kingdom people. The Emmaus too, tired though they had been, hot-footed back to Jerusalem, 
no matter that it was a seven-mile journey and it was nearly dark, this was news to be shared. They're bursting with the need to tell others what they've experienced, who they have encountered. And as they gather with others, those others too have a similar story to tell. The Gospel account goes on after the bit we read to tell how Jesus joined that excited gathering and as he had done so, very often asked to eat with them, talking over their fish supper about what they'd seen and what it meant for them and us and what was to be proclaimed as good news going forward. Walking and talking, gathering and eating. Such normal day-to-day things, yet such wonderful opportunities for profound encounter, deep learning, life change, if we're open to the one who comes near and walks alongside us. I pray that this will continue to be a community where life is lived in all its fullness in this next stage, and that as you walk, talk, gather and eat together, encounters with God will be deep and frequent. Amen.